Hello friends and welcome to PJ's Pondering Season 2 Episode 3. This week we are going to be talking about Redeem the Screen. Now this is a parent training that I've done with the parents of youth that I work with, but just talking about teens and technology. Uh, some of the stats, some of just some good information on apps to potentially avoid. Um, and some things about monitoring that I think are just pertinent to parents at large. So we're going to dive in here. Looking at technology stats and effects. Uh, as many of you, if you are a parent, you've probably noticed that the schools have begun using technology much more on an individual level than they have at any other time in the past. There's been a large increase in the amount of time that students spend in front of a screen that includes at school working on different things. It includes um, homework and just that alone, as we look at some of the stats and what they've shown us is that the average eight to 12 year old is spending about six to seven hours per day on a screen. Not school that is personal, um, in that is an average of some obviously have a little bit more freedom, spend more time than that, and some might be much less depending on the rules within the home. Uh, 13 to 18 year olds, that average jumps from six to seven hours up to nine hours a day on a screen. Now, I am not one to say that technology is all bad. I think there are many benefits to technology and its use within the school and even on a personal level. However, there are things within the developmental stage of teenagers, of adolescents, um, that we should just keep in mind. If you haven't listened to episode two, I would highly recommend pausing now, jumping back to listen to that because it walks through a lot of information about the teenage brain, how the teenage brain works, how it is developing throughout adolescence. And I think that that will give a good foundational understanding that actually feeds significantly into the topic of today. So looking at some of those stats, uh, the extended screen usage, so when we're looking at um, you know, between six to nine hours and above, uh, there are multiple health-related issues that might arise. And every person is gonna respond to some of these things slightly differently because every person's body and brain have some slight difference in how it processes and keeps up with different things. But in general, studies show extended screen usage can lead to a number of things. And I'm just going to read off a list here. Again, it doesn't mean every person who's on a screen for at least six hours a day is going to experience these, but there is a heightened risk that we do need to keep in mind. So that list uh, includes sleep problems, lower grades in school, reading fewer books, less time spent with friends and family, not enough outdoor or physical activity, it can lead to weight problems, more significant mood swings and lower ability to self-regulate, it can lead to heightened anxiety and increased chance of depression, a more um, poor self-image and body image due to heightened comparison that can often come primarily from social media, fear of missing out, and less time learning other ways to relax and have fun. So this is just a basic list that a couple of the um, research articles I have read provided as 
in regards to some of the potential things that can happen with extended screen time usage. Um, I do think particularly in relation to the mood swings and lower ability to self-regulate along with the comparison issues that sometimes can arise. A lot of that ties back to that other episode on the teenage brain, what's developing and just some of the realities of what is happening throughout adolescence as kids are starting to gain more independence, responsibility, and a desire to have a little bit more individuality as well. So when we're looking and talking about technology in regards to teenagers, knowing some of those um, things about how their brain is developing, I think it's important for us to just recognize that there are certain things that are going to help that process along and a number of things that will not help but will actually hinder that process along the way. Teenagers nowadays, generally speaking, um, have a cell phone. Many of them have smartphones. And one thing that I have noticed in my ministry and working with some of the people within our community is that there's a number of parents and teens that do not understand some of the dangers of technology and of social media usage. Um, and many parents don't know much about what their kids are doing on said technology. So some, uh, I would probably argue many students won't like necessarily what I'm about to suggest here. Uh, however, I do think if you are a student and you are listening, uh, I want you to try and, and take yourself out of your own thinking of what you prefer and what you maybe enjoy and like and try to put on the hat of what's actually best for you. And if mom and dad are making a decision based on what is best for you for your development and your stage of life, uh, sometimes that means that they have to say no to things that you might love. Um, parents, it means that you might have to say no to things that your kids might love. So I want to start by talking uh, a little bit about just apps to avoid. Again, we're not going to dive super deep into these, but I do think it's important that parents in particular, and if you are somebody working in ministry, um, youth or kids, to just understand why some of these apps may not be the best. So we're going to start with a couple big ones um, that I, I would argue are apps to avoid or to not allow for your teenager, especially if they are on the younger end of the teenage years. That primary one is going to be Snapchat. Now, I know it is a very popular app. I know that many people are using it. Some even ministries are using it, but I would challenge those that are and say that it is probably not the best avenue to try to be reaching our students on, whether, again, you are a ministry leader or a parent. Here's why. I want you to just think about for a moment, what would compel someone to create an application for a mobile device where you can send images that disappear within a few seconds. Just that alone raises a red flag for me. Um, and Snapchat has been statistically and historically proven to be an app that is heavily used for pornographic reasons, sending inappropriate images uh, because it has this function where the images disappear. I, for that reason alone, uh, would recommend not allowing that some other ones I'm just going to list off. Kick um, is one that, again, offers private messaging. It is open to really anybody. 
from anywhere and there's not much um, just supervision on that. So Kick, there's another one called Yik Yak, um, Omegle, Hoop, Tinder, definitely not. Um, and on top of that, if you are a parent, um, you should know that there are things called Vault apps. Vault apps will show on a on a device, on a phone or an iPad, as a clock or a calculator or something simple like that. And it actually is used to cover and hide other applications that are on the device, um, other files that are on the device. And so if you have a child with a phone and you do not currently have a parental supervision app, I'm gonna talk about that more in a minute, uh, you really should. And you should have some rules in place where you have access to the phone whenever you would like to have access to it. Uh, maybe some repeated rhythm and pattern. And I would recommend just clicking into every app that is on the device and just checking to make sure that there are no vault apps uh, present. Um, a couple other things to avoid, there's, um, you know, just open world games. I, I generally would recommend not allowing younger teens in particular to have access to, such as roadblocks, Minecraft, because you can join anyone from anywhere in the world. And there are, uh, the reality is there are sexual predators that utilize these games to make connections with younger children. And I think it's just better to avoid it altogether unless there's some pretty clear supervision and rules in place to make sure that that is not happening. Um, there's a few others, Yarn, Whisper, Telenim, Monkey, Ask FM. So these, that's kind of the, the running list. Um, there are probably, <laughs> not even probably, there are definitely others um, that I just currently do not have on my list that we probably shouldn't welcome. But as a parent, as a ministry leader, do your research, know what the apps are, what they are used for. And I would just generally recommend going for things that are a little bit less risky. Other apps to monitor closely as a parent, um, Discord is a really awesome app for gaming. I personally do love video games and it is utilized for voice chats while you're playing. Um, you can have texting chats as well. Um, you get to have different you know, groupings within the app. But again, it is an open app where you can technically add anyone from anywhere. So it's just one that I would say to monitor closely. TikTok is another one. Um, I don't have it. I, I'm not going to let my kids have it. Uh, I understand that there's some really fun videos and whatnot, uh, but I do think that's one that there just needs to be some oversight on because of the potential content. YouTube as well. Um, even the one, the section of YouTube that is aimed at kids, like there have still been videos and things that have gotten through their filtration system. Uh, so that's just another one I would not give full access to. I would make sure that it is monitored and that um, you're watching what they are watching because sometimes there will be videos that are labeled and have a thumbnail of a certain kid's show, but then as it goes, it actually pops up with some sort of like horror movie scene or something really graphic. And so those types of things have happened and we should be aware and just cognizant of that. Google, um, this is a way that I have seen students in the past misuse uh, even technology for school to get around mom and dad. Um, so even within Google Documents, I've seen students use that, have it labeled as a homework assignment, but then be carrying on a pretty inappropriate conversation with friends, um, you know, inappropriate joking and, and the like. So another thing to just be aware of and to be checking in on, um, 
even I, this is crazy to me, but even the Bible app parents, there are and have been students um, and ministry leaders, if you're listening, uh, be checking this as well. But there have been students in the past that have utilized the Bible app chat feature to be carrying on some inappropriate conversations and trying to make connections with people that, um, you know, maybe is outside of the rules of the house. So keeping an eye on that. And then just in general, any app that has a DM function, direct message function, uh, highly recommend for parents to be having some oversight there. Okay, so apps to avoid, apps to monitor closely. Now, next thing I want to lean into is looking at some cell phone alternatives and then parental controls, as well as just having conversations with your students. So there are cell phone alternatives. Um, I don't think that... A, a child, this is a personal Joel thought. So this is obviously as a parent or as a ministry leader, you have to discern and make decisions for yourself. I'm just going to share with you my thoughts here. Um, I do not think that there is a need for a child to have a smartphone until maybe late high school. Um, the primary need of that would be with sports and being able to message, um, you know, when practices are almost over, or when you're on a a sports trip and you're getting close back to the school, you know, say a 30 minute out text of sorts can be very helpful as a parent, but there's a lot of options. There are actually um, watches you can get. There's Verizon has a gizmo watch. There's multiple other companies with similar watches and functionality where there are preset responses and they can record and send a, a voice message to you. It allows you as the parent to limit their contacts to only people that you put in and you approve of. Um, so those are really helpful. That is something we've used with one of our children over the last couple of years. There's also alternatives to cell phones that are still a phone, but just have limited functionality. So there's one called the light phone. The light phone has no applications. So no social media, no Snapchat, no video or photo messaging or apps in general. Um, and that phone just has text messaging. It has calling. Um, you can have music. And I believe you can have email if you were an adult and you were wanting to have a more simplified device as well. So the light phone is a really wonderful thing. It has a parent dashboard where you can set some of the regulations on how it's used. Um, the Gab phone is another one, has no app store or browser, no social media or gaming, has a parent portal where there's monitoring for SMS messages and calls. Pinwheel is another one that will give you call and text history monitoring and um, allows you to approve contacts, gives you GPS location, um, and you get to pre-screen apps that have you know certain safety ratings. You also can schedule screen time with the pinwheel phone and set tasks for your kiddo. TrueMe is another, it allows for a more graduated approach to monitoring and having accessibility of certain apps. Um, so that's another good option. So I would really recommend if you have maybe a middle schooler or early high schooler, start off with something more simplified and let them kind of work towards higher responsibility as they show that they can monitor and, and work within the boundaries and guardrails that you have set in place. All right, so moving on, I want to talk to you about parental controls. If you don't have this on your child or teenager's phone, 
I would recommend that you do a little research into these options and others, and I would really encourage you to make sure that you have a parental control app on your child's device. Uh, one great one that I have used is called Bark, um, B-A-R-K. It's really great for content monitor monitoring in particular. It filters everything that they watch on their device, every message that comes into their device for profanity, sexual content, any of those things. And you get to set um, how, how strict it is on monitoring those things. And what happens is if there is anything questionable or that is clearly against that standard, it will actually send you a clip of the video or the exact message that was sent that has um, the inappropriate language or content. And then you get to review that and then follow up with your child accordingly. Um, another one is MSpy. So it has SMS monitoring and location tracking. QStudio is a great one that um, works really well with screen time limitations and the message monitoring as well. And I know that there's a number of other ones out there in addition to these. Now, more than having parental controls and uh, maybe cell phone alternatives and knowing what apps to think about and, and what ones are okay, um, I really think a lot of this comes down to having conversations with our kids. We need to be preparing them and teaching them how to navigate some of these harder things that they are living with with their generation. That if you are, you know, my generation, you know, low 30s and above, like we just, we did not have to deal with these things in the same way. So, we need to be asking and to be thinking about as a parent, as a ministry leader even, um, and especially if you are married with your spouse, what is the target that you are aiming for as a family? Are there family values to consider in this conversation? And let me say it's never too late to define some of these things if you haven't already, even if you have a teenager and you haven't had these things quite defined and written out before. But let's just talk about this. Um, Let's give some definition to your role as a parent, as a starting point. As a parent, uh, biblically speaking, I would say that your role is to be a provider, to provide the basic needs for your kids. It is also to be a protector, to protect them from dangerous and harmful things. It is also to be a shepherd, to guide them through life, teaching them and protecting them along the way. This means that we have rules, that we have some guardrails that we stick to uh, with regularity and that we have accountability for. We also are called to be a teacher, to teach our kids about the world, the great things, the hard things, and the scary things, as well as how to manage that all in light of God and the gospel. Uh, in addition to that, I would say that we are called to encourage, empower, and even challenge our kids. We should be championing our children and their giftings, encouraging them towards their best. We should empower them by giving them opportunities to try things, to struggle with them, and even to fail. Failure is something that we often have a very negative mindset towards. However, failure is a consistent part of life. Failure is something that we all will experience with repetition. And so if we can learn to struggle and fail, but to fail forward, to learn from those mistakes, to learn from the things that didn't go well, so that we can better approach those things in the future, then that helps us to grow, build our character, and helps us to learn how to discern and how to think and question in a healthy way the things that we're going into. 
Finally, to be a challenger, um, we should challenge our kids when they are outside the guardrails to call them out in love when it's necessary. Um, when they're being mean, disrespectful, or unhealthy, when they are not doing the things that are within your family values and you have uh, set and agreed on to do. These are all times where we get to, to challenge and to call them up into better, to call them up into who God created them to be, to call them up into the goodness that we see in them. And, and that all comes through having not just one conversation, but hundreds of conversations, um, you know, throughout their life, throughout their childhood that is helping them to gain this gauge of how do I process? How do I think about life? How do I consider God in the middle of all of these decisions and the ways to think? And so this is what we are to do as a parent. Number of things, provide, protect, to shepherd, to teach, to encourage, to empower, and to challenge. So maybe you're like, me and and you didn't do this for a very long time and you're you're wondering okay PJ well like where do I go with this what should I do uh well here's some maybe starter questions for you to ask with your spouse and with your kids I do think it's important for us to involve our kids in these conversations and to hear their point of view uh it gives them a voice helps them to feel and be hurt. And honestly, sometimes kids surprise us in the way that they think about things and the depth in which they can uh, evaluate and process them as well. So I would recommend having a uh, sit down chat with a spouse first and then include the family and have a family conversation asking some of these questions. I'm going to just give you a few as an example. Number one, what are some ways that technology is useful or helpful for us as a family? I think it would be interesting to hear your children's responses to this question because there are indeed a number of ways that technology is helpful and fun. Secondly, what are some ways that technology might distract or derail us? This is a great question because it gets our kids to think about although technology is a fun thing and can be a good thing, there are some negative sides that have potential to harm us. And so they might have, and you might have some great uh, ideas on how that might play together. Thirdly, would be this. How will we know if our technology has moved from fun or helpful to being disruptive or harmful? And that might lead you into a conversation of what metrics are you using to decipher or to determine how technology is interacting with your family and how you are interacting with technology. That might give some pretty clear insight on maybe some new guardrails or adjustments that may need to be implemented. The next uh, suggested question would be, is there anything we can be doing to make better use of technology? Or are we missing anything fun or useful that could benefit us? This might open the door to some great conversation of maybe some other applications or ways technology could benefit the rhythm of your family life. That could be a shared calendar that you have with your kids that shows family events, kids sporting events and practices, just to unify some of that information that helps you to be more effective and planned. Finally, the last one that I will suggest for today, at least, is what are some tech-free things that we enjoy doing that can balance us out? 
Or maybe are we missing out on anything fun or useful that's outside of the technology category that might be fun or helpful to us? That gets our kids and us thinking about different things that we might enjoy that are outside of technology that we could do together, which would be great for building relationships, um, creating memories together where technology is not in the way or disruptive. Here's a truth that is uh, something we have to work through. If you don't know where you're headed or where you are leading your children as the parent or your ministry as a leader, you will not be able to get them on board with the mission, at least not for long. No one likes to follow an aimless leader. So the question is, are you right now an aimless leader? And what can you do to change that? I would suggest define family goals and mission and, and values I would suggest that you define your role as a parent and their role as the child just so that there is a voiced clarity to those roles. Letting them know your plans and your hopes to hand more responsibility to them as they grow and learn and as they develop healthy strategies for managing the things of life. That gives them something to look forward to, to know that that is coming as they walk life out. Give your kids opportunities to try and to fail. And they will often fail. <laughs> and that is okay. It's not a bad thing. We've got to reframe failure into viewing it as an opportunity for learning. And uh, as we do, as they fail, we can start with love and grace and then bring in the truth. And I would say this, it's okay to give it a day or two. Not everything has to be handled right then in that moment. Sometimes it is the honest best thing to give it a day so that you have time to reflect, think, and respond, and so that they have time to reflect, think, and respond. As you point them back to the mission and values of your family, make it about the growth in the value and not about them as a person. Focus on the positives in who God has created them to be and the gifting that you see within them because that will help them to focus on those things as well. Your kids need to know that you are a viable and reliable and trustworthy and safe source of information that they can come to if they mess up or if they hear different teachings. If they don't believe that those things are true about you, the hard truth is that they're probably not going to come to you with advice. So we need to make sure that we are that safe environment where we have demonstrated to them that we have trustworthy knowledge and insight to help them along these issues of life. I would say and encourage you to less of the time give lectures and instead give more questions. Um, have it be a conversation. Give relatable examples. Um, you know, think about if you're in a job interview and the boss asks you to uh, about a post that you made a few months earlier, like how will that go? So we want to be having these ongoing conversations. It, again, it's not having one long conversation. It's the hundreds of conversations that we have along the way as we build that trust with them and, and they build that trust with us um, that we're able to really lead them into who God has created and called them to be. So in closing, as we consider just teens and technology, I really would encourage you, um, even if you are a teenager, <laughs> I would encourage you to have oversight. I think that we just have such a hard time on our own staying true to who God has created us to be 
and even in our best efforts, we often fall short. So God has provided us uh, his word, his spirit. God has provided us, if, if um, you are on the younger side, he's provided your parents to be able to help guide you. Parents, he has provided your kids to uh, allow you and to gift you the opportunity of helping develop them in their walk with him. And ultimately, we really want them to learn to turn to God and look for the, the truth and answers from him first and foremost, and then secondly, coming to us, thirdly, considering friends and, um, and other resources. And as we do that, we'll be able to, along the way, develop healthy, thoughtful young men and women who are following the Lord with their life. And that is the goal. So thank you for joining in with season two, episode three. Hope you enjoyed and we look forward to seeing you back in our next session, which will be a little bit leaning towards ministry, uh, but it's still very applicable to family life. We're going to be talking about how to learn leadership and we'll, and we'll be diving into that. So have a great day. We'll see you soon.